Hey everyone, welcome to episode 37 of the Metal Detecting Show. My name is Kieran, and I have been metal detecting for nearly 30 years and this week I talk to you about the mighty pinpointer, do you need one to detect and are there anything to look out for in buying one? And what happened to the inline pinpointer? So let's get on with the show. Hey everyone, before we start, I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoy the show this week, but before we begin, I want to give you the following information. If you want to give me feedback or interact with the show, please reach out to me on Twitter at Detecting The or Instagram at The Metal Detecting Podcast. Or if you want to pop me an email to Kieran at TheMetalDetectingShow.com. And now, if you'd like to leave me a voicemail, please do so on speakpipe.com forward slash the metal detecting show. The link will be in the show notes. If you'd like to buy me a coffee, you can actually do so now with buymeacoffee.com forward slash metal detecting. And lastly, and most importantly, if you like this content, please don't hesitate to tell your friends and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Hey Detectorists, welcome to episode 37. I hope you all had a lovely Thanksgiving last week if you celebrated it. And if you don't, well, here's the first of many happy Christmases you will hear over the coming weeks. Lockdown is finally over so I can start planning to get out again over the coming weeks. I still have an in-depth review of the simplex to complete, so that will require a few more hunts at least to ensure its full in-depth review. The bit I've done so far I have really enjoyed, so looking forward to completing it. In other news, I'm still banned from Reddit, but that's fine, I've given up reaching out to the mods, so I'll write it off as a bad experience. I'm looking for someone to interview about magnet fishing, so if you know of anybody that is an expert and can talk about it, let me know and I'll reach out to them and see if we can arrange something. So this week, I want to talk to you about the mighty pinpointer. The mighty, mighty pinpointer! One of the most underrated tools we use, but has such a large impact. Do you know who invented the pinpointer? Neither do I, and neither does the internet. Just Google who invented the pinpointer, and you will get very vague answers. The best I can assume is that it comes under the invention of the actual metal detector by Alexander Graham Bell. But did you know there are two types of pinpointers, the inline pinpointer and the singular or handheld pinpointer? Looking firstly at the inline pinpointer, this is essentially another coil that is attached to your detector by splicing the connection from the main control box to the main coil. This pinpointer coil is normally a pair of windings just like a normal coil, except configured and given the pinpointer shape by having both windings on a plastic cylinder. This is covered in whatever hard-wearing plastic the manufacturer sees fit to use, but the key being that it behaves like any coil that you attach to the main control box, in that it adopts whatever settings you have applied to the machine and utilizes the detector's headphones and battery. What you are essentially purchasing is a new coil head and a way to switch from the main coil to the pinpointer coil. Early models of the inline pinpointer were made bespoke to order by guys in their sheds till the Sunray probe was released, which seems to be the first commercial version of the inline pinpointer. Sunray have recently stopped producing these, and if you think of it, with the advent of proprietary coils by the major manufacturers, there is no easy path to producing an inline pinpointer for a modern detector as it would require licensing of the manufacturer's technology for each pinpointer, and because we can't swap coils between detectors even of the same brand, the same process will be required for every model of detector you wish to produce. 
which isn't ideal if you own several models or brands of detector, which most of us do. And when looking at the singular or handheld pinpointer, the earliest model I can find is the AH Pro by Alan Hammett. If you follow me on Instagram, you will see I shared a picture of the model 8A recently. This was released in the late 70s and came with features such as differentiation, which from what I can see is a form of discrimination, allowing the user to differentiate between a bottle cap and a coin. Now, if you ask me, this looks more like a normal metal detector, with the only difference being the coil, which is a rod on the Model 8. Modern pinpointers come in all shapes and sizes with a wide gamut of features, but it is clear you can see the lineage in the rod coil design. So make sure to check out the picture on my Instagram. Before we get on to talking about some good brands of pinpointer, let's examine, do you actually need one? Now that most detectors come with pinpoint mode, do you need one? No, you don't. You can happily search away and use the inbuilt pinpoint mode of your detector. In fact, if you are new to the hobby, there is no harm in carrying out your first few hunts without one, as it won't take you long to create the muscle memory and develop a successful pinpoint technique with your large coil. In my case, I can't pinpoint for jack. In fact, I find my holes are getting bigger the longer I detect, and I use a pinpointer. And if I lost it, as I have recently done with my Garrett Pro, I would be racked with anxiety and have to quit the hunt. So using a pinpointer is not all good. It can lead to some bad habits and dependencies. But I think the good outweighs the bad. For example, using a pinpointer just saves on frustration without it when trying to isolate a find while testing handfuls of muck over and over till you find it. Now, don't get me wrong, if you like getting your hands dirty, digging around in the dirt, then have at it. But as soon as I target a find, I am trying to get it out of the ground as quick as possible. And a pinpointer allows me the speed I require in recovery. This heightened recovery speed has a knock-on effect. One, it allows you more time to hunt, giving you an opportunity to find more, but also allows you to conserve energy, letting you go for longer, again, giving you more time to hunt, resulting in more ground coverage. I have seen estimates online stating that a pinpointer will give you an extra 30% hunting time. 30% hunting time means 30% more finds. Another factor that is often forgotten about, especially when I look at videos of coin recoveries online where the user is pinpointing the find in the plug, locates the find, and then jabs their trowel right in the spot where the pinpointer said the find was, inevitably leading to a damaged find. One of the major benefits of the pinpointer is to locate the find and allow you know where it is, but also to avoid it in recovery. This damage limitation also translates to the ground dug. Using a pinpointer should result in a smaller hole being dug, especially if the find is near the surface, and you use the pinpointer to isolate the find further by locating the point on the surface where the find's location intersects, allowing you to dig more surgically. So, is there any special way to use a pinpointer? Well, there are a few things that can help. For example, if the pinpointer's range can be adjusted, then adjust it down to approximately one inch from the tip. There is no point in having the pinpointer set to pick up a target four inches away. What you want when you put the pinpointer in the hole is for it to narrow down your search field. If it is set to the max range, there is almost no point, especially if the tip of the device is not directional. That means it can indicate which side of the tip the find sits by increasing the vibration signal. Also, if set to high, the pinpointer can detect the signal from your own metal detector and you find you're digging in the direction of the metal detector's location for a find that is not in that direction at all. So when probing with the pinpointer, make sure to move your metal detector away from the hole. This means that you might not be able to test each handful of dirt on your detector's coil 
but now you need to use your pinpointer. Pinpointing with a pinpointer takes some practice, especially if you want to be a pinpoint and pop black belt ninja person who can recover by digging the smallest of holes and even by using a long screwdriver. I am not one of those people. My holes are getting bigger and bigger, as I've said previously, and I still locate finds in the side of the hole. If you're like me and using a pinpointer all the time, it only takes a slight issue for you to lose trust in it. For example, you see it all the time online, people turning on the pinpointer, and the first thing they do is to check to see if it's on by testing it on metal somewhere. This behavior comes about because at some stage in the past, that metal detectorist spent a few minutes rooting about the hole with their pinpointer only to eventually realize that it was not on or had died. There is nothing wrong with their current pinpointer, but they have learned this behavior from past errors and the erosion of trust in the machine. Then, if they probe the hole and find nothing, the first thing they do is to retest that the device is on again. This is crazy. I do all this myself and often wondered how much time I was wasting with this behavior and was that behavior negating the benefits of the pinpointer. I think best practice is to fully charge or replace the battery and make sure there is some audible or vibration to tell you it is on and trust it. I don't particularly want to recommend any particular models of pinpointer as good as I have used very few, but I will highlight some brands to look out for and their key models. Starting with Garrett, you have to say with Garrett they may not have invented the pinpointer, but they definitely made it their own with the Pro Pointer 2, which is aptly named the nation's favourite. Garrett have extended their range beyond the Pro Pointer 2 to include features such as waterproofing and wireless communication. Up next will be MindLab with their Pro Find range. What I like about the MindLab range is that they have a pinpointer to suit your budget. They are sturdily made and will last you till you lose them, but the MindLab pinpointer has a built-in alarm to alert you if it does get lost. MindLab are quick to bring in new features such as a specific tone for ferrous targets. Now, I'm not sure how useful that is because you can be guaranteed if I have gone so far to dig a hole, I am not going to turn back if the pinpointer tells me it's an iron target. I've come this far, I'll keep going till I find it. Quest have a nice range, the X pointer, an affordable pinpointer that are positively reviewed online and have a fanatical following, so they must be good. But I can't testify to this, I've only heard good things from people I trust. And finally, the Knockdown Macro Pulse Dive series. This is the pinpointer I use right now, a little on the expensive side, but you are paying for the versatility of adding separate tips such as a scuba search coil in various sizes and an ability to be used on land as well as underwater. Some great features such as frequency shift that you may remember Darkfish Mish teaching me about on our recent interview. And that's it for the mighty pinpointer, often ignored as a non-essential accessory, but once you use one, there is no turning back. That's it for this week. I hope you like this episode of the Metal Detecting Show podcast. Check out our website, www.themetaldetectingshow.com for this episode's show notes. Check out our Patreon page if you want to help the podcast stay alive or just want to buy me a coffee. Actually, if you want to buy me a coffee, you can do so now at buymeacoffee.com forward slash metal detecting. Also, if you would like to leave me a voicemail, please do so on speakpipe.com forward slash the metal detecting show. The link will be in the show notes. If you feel like taking your appreciation to the next level, feel free to leave me a positive review on any podcast directory of your choice. 
If you like this content and would like more, please don't hesitate to tell your friends and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Once again, I hope you've enjoyed this episode and we will chat to you all again next week. Get out there, eyes down and happy hunting.